0: Let's open the Word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. I want to speak on priority principles for 2016. The next several weeks, we're going to be talking about these priority principles. I say priority because it's a priority to God. So if it's a priority to God, then it has to become a priority to us. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 33 and 34. The word of the Lord reads as follows, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. Other things, it's talking about roof, uh, food, things that you need in life. But it says seek first. It doesn't say seek second, seek third. It doesn't say visit every once in a while. It says, put God first. And all these, things, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father, thank you for your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would open up the eyes of our understanding, that we might see truly what is priority in our life here in this year. Uh, Lord, that we might seek it out, seek it with all of our hearts, that we might apply it to uh, our lives, Lord God, uh, not not just verbally, but as a discipline, that we might discipline ourselves uh, according to your word. We give you the glory for it. The Holy Spirit, help us, strengthen us. Give us the strength and the wisdom to apply your word to our lives each and every day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, I hold this against you, Jesus said. Previously, he was talking to a church, and he says, I know you've done this. I know you've done that. Um, you've diligently done this. And he, he was basically eulogizing that church, blessing the church, speaking well of that church. But then he said this, but yet I hold this against you. And he says, you've forsaken your first love. You've left your first love. And he says, Remember the height from which you have fallen, repent and do the things you did first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. And this is a concern I have uh, for many Christians, the fact that we're doing a lot of stuff, but we've left our first love. We are dutiful because we do stuff, but we're not doing it in the right spirit. We're not doing it motivated from a heart of love. Love for God and love for God's people. So this is very important. One of the priorities in scripture is the priority of putting God first. The same way he puts us first. When Jesus died on the cross, he was absolutely putting us first. He was prioritizing his life. His entire life was a ministry to us. The 33 years he lived on this earth was a ministry to us. Dying on that cross was a ministry to us. It was a priority for him. Anytime anybody tried to get him out of his posture of going toward the cross, he would say, Don't bother me. Or he would say, Get thee behind me, Satan. You don't understand the things of God. You see, he he absolutely prioritized his relationship with us and for us. So, in the same way, he demands the same thing. He wants first place in our lives. I mean, you and I know, we've heard it before. When you go into a relationship with somebody, you know, uh, you, you, you're going to get married, now your boyfriend, uh, your boyfriend, uh, the, many times these young men, they do incredible uh, feats to get the ring, you know, in a silent way, uh, or maybe uh, surprise them, you know, they do crazy things in order to get the ring. But the, getting the ring to the, to the ladies is the easy thing. The hard thing is to commit behind the proposal, right? Isn't that true? For you to remain faithful. So, uh, what happens is God says, I want you faithful to me. I'm faithful to you. I want you faithful to me. He calls us the bride of Christ. So, he has that level of relationship in mind when he's addressing us. So, he's expecting the same. So, which one of you ladies would, you know, get upset if your boyfriend or your husband, you know, was dating other ladies during the week? Oh, okay, finally. Now you guys, now some of you have... You woke up. Some of you went, "Oh, hey, well, what, what did he say? What did he say? No, the truth of the matter is you don't tolerate that. When you go into commitment, you demand first place. Isn't it true? Yes. Ladies, isn't it true? Yes. And what about the rest of you ladies? Yes. <laughs> okay, you do. The truth of the matter is we absolutely demand that. Well, guess what? God demands that too. And do you think it's unfair? I don't think it's unfair. I demand the same thing of my wife. We are faithful and, you know, pretty much uh, she understands that. I want first place. I don't want second or third place. I don't want hand-me-downs, right? I want primo, fresh cut. I mean, that's it, number one. Anybody else? We all do. God expects the same thing. Thank you for those amens. They're, They're a little short in supply today. So that's what his heart is. He's, I'm committing to you. I want you to commit to me. And then in Ezekiel 44, it says, I want the best of the first fruit of all kind. Every sacrifice from every kind, from all your sacrifices, it shall go to the church or shall be the priest. Also, you shall give the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. So we realize there also that God is saying, I want your commitment because I'm about ready to give you stuff so you can share it with others. And I want somebody I can trust. I want somebody I can work through because he doesn't need, really, he doesn't need anything from us. In relationship, he loves our worship. He loves our communication. He loves our prayers because he's relational. God's relational, but he doesn't need it. He's God all by himself. But when you come into covenant with him, you know, he wants to bless you. He doesn't just want you to be a being that recognizes him. He wants to bless you with spiritual blessings, with wisdom, with understanding, with resources, so that you then can reflect his love to the world. Wow, that's a privilege. And we read that verse shortly uh, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. In other words, when we put God first, He makes sure that He blesses us. So we understand that. So, priority principle say with me, priority principle priority. God first that has to be a priority principle second priority principle which is the one I want to land on today is love God, love your neighbor love God, love your neighbor love is very important it's important to God God is love He just doesn't doesn't have love He is love so we need to understand a little more about that on a practical level because that's where we show our love love always must be shown because love is an action verb love is something not just that you have in your heart something that you do when you love in your heart you do because it's an action verb it spills over into your life when you love one person one time says why i love dogs why i love dogs and it's an anecdote but it's so true anybody a dog lover here yeah, amen. If, if Alan and Liz are looking also, I know they're dog lovers too. But uh, dog lovers. So one, one of the reasons is the reason why a dog has so many friends is that he wags his tail instead of his tongue. <laughs> Another one said, don't accept your dog's admiration as conclusive evidence that you're wonderful. Got that one? You'll get that Tuesday. <laughs> there is no psychiatrist in the world like a puppy licking your face. uh, It says, the dog is the only being on earth that loves you more than he loves himself. Mm -hmm. The average dog is a nicer person than the average person. Mm -hmm. We can give dogs time we can spare, space we can spare, and love we can spare. And in return, dogs give us their all. It's the best deal man has ever made. I say close to the best deal. The best deal is receiving Christ. God gave us the best deal ever. Dogs love their friends and they bite their enemies, quite unlike people who are incapable of pure love and are always having to mix love and hate. Another one said, a dog teaches a boy fidelity, perseverance, and also how to turn around three times before lying down. (laughs) Anybody who doesn't know what soap tastes like has never washed a dog. Is that true? If your dog is fat, you are not getting enough exercise. <laughs> you got to take him for walks, you know? Yeah. yeah. My dog is worried about the economy because Alpo is up to $3 a can. That's almost $21 in dog money. That's just a <laughs> Ever consider what our dogs must think of us? I mean, we come from a grocery store with the, emo- the most amazing haul of chicken, pork, and cows. They must think that we're the greatest hunters on earth. <laughs> and Mark Twain one time said this about a dog. He said, if you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he won't bite you. That's the principal difference between a dog and a man. Wow. Wow. You can say any foolish thing to a dog and the dog will give you a look that says, wow, you're right. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> and, then, and then the last one is, my goal in life is to be as good a person as my dog thinks I am. <laughs> so I like that one. <laughs> the Lord Jesus taught us about love. About the importance of love. In Matthew 22, 37, he said to the disciples, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Notice he didn't say second or third or fourth. It's the first one. This is something every Christian should know, understand, and practice. And then it says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor like you love yourself, or as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, he was saying, every other law that you see in Scripture is based on these two. If you love God with all your heart, and you love your neighbor like yourself, somewhere or another, you're fulfilling the the great laws. Because you won't steal from somebody you love. You won't envy somebody you love. You won't hate somebody you love, right? You won't try to hurt or wound somebody you love. And if you do, you'll feel bad about it because you love them and you'll make it right. See, So God is saying this is the great or these are the two great commandments. In Romans 13, verse 8 through 13, it says, pay all your debts, except the debt of love for others. You can never finish paying that. Wow. So that's something we owe each and every day. Well, I paid my love yesterday. Well, today, you have to pay your love too. And tomorrow, you'll have to pay that also. Your debt of love to others. You can never finish paying that. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill all the requirements of God's law. For the commandment against adultery and murder and stealing and and coveting and any other commandment are all summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to anyone, so love satisfies all of God's requirements. Wow. Are we flowing in love? Or are we allowing the world to take us in that, in that mindset, in that spirit, where you see all the hate, all the rhetoric? You know, if we were to practice this as a nation, we would destroy, obliterate most of these arguments we're seeing today, most of the hate we see today, most of the division we see today. But we can't do it in our own self. Because in our flesh, many times we have hate. Many times we have, uh, you know, preferences. We, we, We have cultural differences. And we don't know how to honor each other's difference. So instead we hate each other for it. It's a sad thing. But thank God that he's given us his spirit to be able to love others. Even when our culture taught us not to love them. My God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9 on, it says, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Wow. In our culture, we see that, how many people pretend to love others. You see that especially with politicians. You see that with actors. There's some actors, an actor and an actress, they finish doing uh, a scene where they're loving each other and they're kissing each other, and as soon as the camera stops, as soon as they say, Cut! Right? Right? They walk away from each other because they can't stand each other. I don't, I don't know. I, I could not imagine that. I could never be an actor that way. Because if I don't like somebody, I'm certainly not going to hang with them, certainly not going to kiss them. But they learn how to pretend to love. That's all acting is. Acting is another way, another word for hypocrite. It's two-faced. Yeah, that's what acting is. And when we're being a hypocrite, we're being a 2 face. So that's what actors are. They're two-faced. And we worship them. Many of society worships actors. An actor gets called. Oh, look what I saw. Look what I saw. Yeah, you saw a human being. Who in the morning needs to brush their teeth. Yeah, so some of them are very nasty people. You don't worship people. You worship God. But the truth of the matter is, we, we idolize things that many times when we look at scripture, we should not even recognize. Don't pretend to love, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Praise God. So we're to do everything in love. Giving, loving, everything. Do everything in love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. It says, let everything you do be done in love. True love to God and man as inspired by God's love for us. Spoke that in the Amplified. So we are to model what it is to be a forgiving and loving people. In other words, say to your neighbor, I need to reassess how I show my love. See, well, that does not mean that you have to become an ice-cream, flippity-jibbit person. You still should hold your principles. You know, if you're a supervisor, you still need to be strong. But even that you could do in love. I have learned how to balance that most of the time. Sometimes when I lose it, because I do lose it from time to time with, with my guys, later on I'll call them back and I'll tell them, listen, by the way, the point I was bringing is still right, but I apologize the way I brought it forth. I did not intend to wound you as a human being. I just wanted to correct you as an employee because this is what the board of directors want in this particular uh, place where there's a business or job or building. So sometimes I found myself losing it, and immediately I correct myself because of love for them. Not that I'm bosom buddy with them. You know, you have to... You have to know how to act among people. You know, if, if, if you're a supervisor, you have to keep a certain distance from your employees because if you don't, they'll abuse you. It's just the nature of humanity. But you can be respectful, you can be cordial, you can be loving. You understand? But when people need to be corrected, you can be, even be loving there. Because in correcting them, you could sit them down privately and say, by the way, I have to correct you. But let me give you some advice. Uh, let me help you to overcome this. Um, this uh, write-up or whatever, I'll put it in file. But if you change, work with me. I don't want you to lose your job. I want you to do well. I want you to prosper. I want you to be promoted. See, you can talk to them and, and give them the chance. Some people are just knuckleheads. Any supervisor knows that. Not everybody's going to... Actually, some people, when you talk to them like that, they'll actually abuse you. So you speak to them, but if you see their knucklehead, then after a while, you have to put them through the process. But what I'm saying is, just because you love somebody doesn't mean that you have to become this sugar person that's always sweet. People will slap you. you, (laughs) No, a doormat. No, that's not what it's saying. Because men of God were very tough. Men and women of God in Scripture, you you look at a person like David... You look at a person. Jesus, one time, he told him, he says, if you people don't like that, you could leave. I mean, so you have to put everything in its proper context. But what I'm saying is you try to work with people first. You express the love of God first. And if you see their abusers, then, of course, you mark them and say, okay, this one's a joker. And even still in the process, if you see them shift, you still could employ God's love there and help them to rehabilitate and become better employees. So even there, you could uh, share love with people. Right? And let's say, for example, you have a family member that no matter what you do, you love them and they still play, play the fool, so to speak, right? You can still love them by praying for them. Genuinely, legitimately praying for them. And if you have a chance to do a kindness to them, you do so. But, you know, you might not be able to hang out with them because they're playing the fool. You know, the, you, you sit down and, uh, for dinner and they're already insulting you or criticizing you or something like that. You know, you know the way every family has them. Everybody said yes right away. <laughs> the truth of the matter is every family has not but even there you can employ God's love and be at a standby posture so that if they do change, you immediately embrace them. All right? Just wanted to give you that little tidbit because it's, it's not as clear cut sometimes in society. as just love everybody. Kumbaya. That's all I was talking about. I remember one particular um, client uh, I, I did a great favor for this client. And then the lady turned around and tried to harm me. Really, I, I even, even invested money to try to help this lady. And, and she turned around and said, now I want you to do this, 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 and this. And I says, no, it's not going to happen. That's not part of the contract. He says, well, if you don't, I'm going to expose you. And I you expose me? You know? And so I said, have at it. <laughs> what do you want to expose? I tell you what, since I helped you, I'm going to speak to my board of directors and I'm going to tell them what I did. So you don't have to expose, I'll expose this myself. And I went to the board of directors, by the way, this person, I helped them, A, B, C, D, E, and now they say they want to expose me. So just to let you know, I did that. Well, you know, Victor, you shouldn't have done it in the first place because you know she was a troublemaker. I said, I know, I'm just trying to be kind. I said, yeah, but sometimes <laughs> they, so they, they gave me the, you know, but they understood where I came from. And so I, I you know, came back to her, I says, effective immediately, nothing else happens unless you go by contract and the whole thing. Then she says this when she could not get me on threats and anything like that, she says this. She actually said this. She says, Where's your Christian charity? Where's your Christian charity? And, and, and I answered that, and I says I'm sorry that you think that way, but the bottom line is effective immediately, everything official. Go through the proper processes, channels, and that is it. So I realized that they, they look to abuse Christians many times. So they have a false notion of what Christian is. We're not weak, we're strong. Amen. We are meek, but Jesus was meek. Meek is controlled energy, controlled power. It's not that we're weak. It's that we're very strong and we have the spirit of God and we have the wisdom of God. So we, instead of, if I have a Porsche, I'm not going to go on the FDR 140 miles just because I have the strength. I will moderate my strength and use only what's necessary. Hello? So I don't have to immediately throw a tantrum if a person crosses me. I don't have to. I don't have to meet that out or, or you know, just yeah. give the whole, right, re- release all that power. Don't have to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very careful where I apply my energies, my strength, or even my focus. So when I see people like that, so I choose not to focus on you. That's it. I choose not to focus on you. You're not worth it. Now, I love you. I pray for you. But I'm not going to focus on this nonsense. I'm not going to um, feed into this, this you know, I don't, I don't know what to call it without, you know, <laughs> saying something I'm, I'll regret later on. Yeah. So, we're to be a model in, in our workplace, at home, with our families. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 and 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. And notice he's talking to the church now. So it's talking us, all of us. We have to be forgiving with each other. Because we will rub each other the wrong way from time to time. Anybody? Huh? You rub me the wrong way sometimes. I rub you the wrong way sometimes. But it says here we have to forgive each other, uh, deal with grievances, forgive as the Lord forgives you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, forgiveness, you can't do it if you don't love. Right? You can't uh, forgive grievances if you don't love. You can't be humble if you don't love. You can't be gentle if you don't love. You can't have patience with people if you don't love. How many of you have had to be patient with your children? Oh man, them hands went up almost immediately. It went whoop, <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go like this. It went, whoop. I didn't know you were that fast. <laughs> patient with each other. Yeah. Hey, hold on a second. Weren't you just singing that song to her? You're so funny. <laughs> Holy, Holy was going like this, right? You got patient. Or weren't you the one that was saying, la 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 la. Okay, you're the first one I want here in the altar today when it's time to repent. <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is that we have to put on love because it's not easy. It is hard many times to deal with people. So if you don't have that, the essence of that love clothed on, it will not bind you together with the proper actions. So praise God. We're to deal with each other with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Also, the Bible says we have been given a spirit of love. So when we came to Christ, part of what he gives us, part of the download the Holy Spirit gives us is love. Because in 2 Timothy 1.7, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So that spirit of love, praise God, the spirit, the rational soul, your mind, your vital principles. So the spirit of means I think love. I feel love. I practice principles of love. He gave us a spirit, not of fear. So in other words, I don't respond to you in fear. I don't react to you in fear. Right? I'm not fearful in my relationships. I, I, I exude with love in my relationships. So even when there's something that seems to threaten me, I go back to the point of, well, God, you gave me a spirit of love, not of fear. So I'm not going to let this thing germinate in my brain. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to ruminate uh, regarding fear. I am going to allow the love of God to, to flesh in me and through me in all of my dealings because you gave me a spirit of love. Amen. And of power, which means I have power so I can control my power. See, once again, we're powerful people. The Spirit of God in us gives us power, but he also gives us love. So I won't use my power to wound people or destroy people. I'll use my power to love people, to build people up, to edify people. Amen. And then the sound mind means that whenever I'm challenged with stuff, I'm not going to go crazy with it. I'm not going to respond crazily. I'm going to respond after thinking about it, praying about it ruminating about it, uh, ruminate to think, to meditate, to ponder. And and I'm I'm just going to uh, allow God to give me that rational response to things, right? If you want to run for politics, for example, you can't just talk. The first thing you you say, you know, like Trump, he doesn't think, he just, I mean, that's what he does all the time, right? You you have to be careful. You can't just talk because it'll get you in trouble. As, see, so but they think about thinking what they say because they don't want to lose a vote. We, on the other hand, think about what we say because it could hurt someone because we love. You got it? Now, I didn't mention Trump because I'm endorsing him or not. I'm just, you know, I leave that to you guys. You, you know, By their fruits, you shall know them. But I'm just mentioning they're like a politician that doesn't think, you know, that comes out with stuff. And then later on, they have to either recant or they have to walk back some things they've said. Have you ever, been, you have, have you ever done that? Said something and regret it? Yeah. I've said things that the second I've said them, immediately I try to catch the words. Yeah. No! Yeah. But the words are always faster than I am. And I can't catch up to them. And they reach the ears of the person before I have a chance to stop the crazy thing I just said. So we have to be careful. So we have to respond With a rational, sound mind. Praise God. Also, we're to stir each other to love and good works. So not just practice it, but teach others and stir others to act the same way. And respond the same way. In Hebrews 10.23, it says, Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together. And warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back is drawing near so remind each other to love each other remind each other not to neglect you know coming to the house of god outbursts of love how do you do an outburst of love that's interesting for me an outburst is somebody just you know right but how do you do an outburst of love well the bible says we can do outbursts of love wow praise god I want to see some love in this church now, especially after preaching this service, uh, this sermon, I want to see the outbursts of love. If I hear pum, 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 Oh that must be love. <laughs> outbursts of love. And finally, we're to share the love of God that we have experienced with others. This is part of what God wants us to do. He wants us to be an advertisement of His love. He wants for people to look at us and see the love of God in our lives and our words in our testimonies. We have to be active in sharing. Why do you think the enemy is trying to shut Christians down, the, their testimonies? Why? Because it encourages people to come to Christ. The enemy doesn't want that. So some people in, in, in a capacity, in an ability to be able to create laws who are motivated by the spirit of this age, motivated by the spirit of the devil himself, they don't even know it. He just throws an idea and they just flow with it. They're trying to shut down Christian testimony in school, in politics, in the job, in the workplace, uh, in Twitter, in in Facebook. They're trying to shut it down. In some cases, they don't allow certain things to come through. And that's on purpose because the enemy knows how powerful our testimony is. But he's never going to be able to fully shut it down. He's going to try. But the more he tries... The more the Spirit of God in us, the boldness part. Because by the way, the Spirit of God also gives us boldness, will will we'll impel us to share even more. Amen. So we are to be bold in that area and share the love of God. First John chapter 3, verse 1. See how much our heavenly Father loves us. Again, that love. For he allows us to be called his children. See, this is what I was talking about last week. He doesn't only say, okay, you're saved, so you're a creation here on earth that's saved. I'm forgiving you. No. He brings us into his family and calls us children. That's how precious this thing is. This is how much he loves us, that he invites us to be part of his family. It doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any more precious. It doesn't get any more personal than that. He says, but the people who belong to this world don't know God, so they don't understand that we are already his children. Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children, and we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he does come, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all the people, or rather, and all who believe this will keep themselves pure, just as Christ is pure. So praise God. We need to understand how much he loves us. We need to let the world know. And finally, these verses that you and I all know. What's the verse? John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave what? The most precious, precious relationship for us. He gave us the way to be connected with him. He gave us the way to be forgiven. He gave us the way to be delivered and set free. For God so loved the, lo- the, the world that he gave his only one and begotten son, that whoever would believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Then it goes on to say, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. See, that's what the world thinks. The world thinks that God hates them. No, he's trying to get them saved. He says, listen, you guys are destroying yourselves. The enemy is destroying you. I'm here that you would have life and life in abundance. So he says he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world Through him. So the first principle I want us to think about this month is the fact that God, he expects first place. So never forget that. Never make God an afterthought. Always put God in first place in your life, in your thinking, in your your relationships, in all your dealings, in all your transactions. When you get angry, when you get upset, put God first. What do you mean? Well, when I get angry... I immediately invite the Holy Spirit to help me. Because if I don't, I'm going to blow it. Yeah, I, can be, I can be very u- ugly when I get angry. Right? Not you guys. I know when you're angry, you go, well, I'm not very happy right now. <laughs> <clears throat> For me, when I get angry, I can have a tendency of just explosive, a tendency of losing it, outbursts of, and not love. So what I do when I feel, yeah, right? I feel the same way. But when, when I get angry, I say, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. And you know, he does. He'll give me wisdom, calm me down. Because it's relationship. He's with us. He lives in me. So when you get to that point, don't allow the enemy to take you there. Don't allow your flesh to take you there. You invite God via his Holy Spirit to help you. So that you could be a blessing wherever you're at. Because God loves the world. And let me personalize this now. God loves the world around you. God loves your neighbors. God loves your family. God loves your co-workers. God God loves this neighborhood here. He loves them. And what does he do? He sends us. What does he do? He equips us, empowers us, gives us a spirit so that we can reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to see people from now on in a different light, in a different way. You have to see them as somebody that God loves. Yes, even your belligerent supervisor. <laughs> yes, even your crazy family member. Yes, even those that you had a relationship with in the past that it didn't work out. God even loves them too. As amazing as that may sound. <laughs> the truth of the matter is we are called to be reflections of his love. So, power principle one is. Power, power principle two is. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen. And power PowerPoint, or rather, power principle three is. It's next week. Exactly. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Very smart. Very observant. Uh, you, you were listening. Praise God.